This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuned in to the new TNN. The new TNN proudly presents WCW Must Die, starring Conan. You guys are a bunch of cranberries. Chronic. We're all about cashing checks and breaking necks. Mike Tanay. Chronic hurts people for money. Tank Abbott. Where's Big Bill Goldberg at? Huh? Looking for Goldberg. The Chosen One. Jeff Jarrett. Choke on that, you old Jarrett slap ass. Mean Gene Okerlund. Blow it out your ass, Jarrett. The Franchise. Shane Douglas. <laughs> Kimberly. It's all about me. Mike. Awesome. I threw Canyon off the top of that cage. Canyon. Yeah, I'm positively Canyon. General. Rection. Misfits fall in and bring me major guns. Lieutenant Loco. <laughs> and if you don't, <laughs> I'll kill ya. Pamela Paulshock. What are your thoughts about the ambulance match? Rick Steiner. Don't like me? Bat me. Scott Hudson. That's the thug life, Tony. Mark Madden. Snoochie Boochies, Tony. Stevie Ray. What the hell is he talking about, Tony? Vampiro. I am your anti-hero, Steve. Sting! I'm not ribbing ya! Scott Steiner. You're done finer! I'm doing a 69er! With Scott Steiner! Ric Flair! Rutho! Rutho! Woo! Ernest the Cat Miller. May I please have your attention, please? May I please have your attention, please? Shut the hell up! Eric Bishop. You guys, you guys stop. You too much. I, I love you guys. I can feel it. There's a lot of love here. Tony Schiavone. The tag mate now to Chuck Palumbi. It's, it's a red liquid. A red liquid from Thunder. Big Sexy. Kevin Nash. <laughs> Gimmicks alive. Look at the adjective. It's gimmick. Hollywood. Hulk Hogan. This, this your thing, Russo? That's why the company's in the in the damn state it's in. Cause of bullshit like this. Vince Russo. I'm here for the book of T's and Jeff Jarrett's of this world! A pop culture addict's welcome to the new TNN podcast for a very special edition of WCW Must Die. Of course, in our latest edition of WCW Must Die, uh, we came to terms with the thug life as Goldberg became the hired gun of the new blood. This is a little bit different. We're just taking a pause on WCW Must Die for a second to, pr- to present what I'm calling WCW Must Die Extra. Shades of in-your-house extra. You know, when they give you the little 
the little recap at the end of the pay-per-view and get you excited for what's going to happen at the international incident and stuff like that next month. It's just a, a little side journey into a different side of the dying days of world championship wrestling. Today, we're going to talk about what what's only known as the WCW Slam Force. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Johnny, well... Uh, that sounds interesting, but what, pray tell, in the fuck is the WCW Slam Force? Well, that's that's exactly what we're going to discuss today. So, the WCW Slam Force was a subset of licensed WCW action figures. And, and, and just pause, don't turn off the show yet, okay? Now, I got nothing against action figures or collectibles. Okay. As a matter of fact, I really admire people that have like really nice, really beautiful to look at assortment of uh, action figures, you know, set up in nice cases and everything like that. Like I think they're really cool and they give me a lot of memories and a lot of feels. However, I'm not an avid collector of said items, but this show isn't really so much about the action figures themselves. I mean, they're going to play a part here. We're going to talk about them, but I'm just more floored by the fact that this actually exists because this subset, this WCW Slam Force, was a toy line that had five WCW superstars that worked together as the, quote, secret legion against monsters. Hence, the Slam, if you will. Now, you might say to yourself, that's a very strange acronym. Well, the fact that this exists with a very strange acronym has a lot to do with the fact that this was sort of a triple partnership. WCW was in line or in bed with Toy Biz to make their action figures from 1999 to 2001 when they were sold. Ah, but Toy Biz is owned by Marvel Comics. And of course, Marvel has all sorts of acronyms. Shield, Sword, Saber, all uh, Modoc, Jarvis, all that stuff. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am very happy to report to you that the WCW Slam Force is, in fact, an official superhero team within the Marvel comic book universe because each toy came with its own edition of WCW Slam Force, the comic book, which we are not only going to talk about today, but I'm going to perform for you at the close of the show the comic book with all sorts of fun impersonated celebrity voices. So yay! A fun fact, this Toy Biz Company, the subsidiary of Marvel, also made NWA TNA action figures. Was there a Sonny Siaki? That's all I really care about. Or maybe a Don West? That could be fun. Oh, what about Ed Ferrara with the with the dreads? What, you don't like Ed Ferrara? Alright, fine. Fine, fine, fine. Now, Today's main focus of topic is the WCW Slam Force. But I just want to pause on that topic of conversation to also discuss another collaboration between Marvel Comics and WCW that took place in the early 90s as opposed to the early aughts. Because this Slam Force is like a year 2000 sort of deal, but because that's when it was released, you know, the planning and processing and, you know, character selection all took place in 99. And that's why the roster of the Slam Force is sort of strange. There's there's one member in particular. 
uh, that stands out like a sore thumb, but we'll get there when we get there. A lot of people don't realize that WCW Wrestling has a long-storied history with Marvel Comics. Uh, as I said, back in 1991, they actually launched Marvel's WCW World Championship Wrestling, the comic book, which lasted for 12 issues. And I got to tell you, folks, I love this comic book. As a youngster, I only owned one issue, issue three. Yes, you know what I'm talking about if you know if you know what these uh, comic books are all about. Because issue three is sort of the the big one. All right, but through the power of technology, I you know I've read these this entire run a couple of times, and I got to tell you, I just love when third parties get a hold of wrestling because they're so weird about it. Like the WCW comic book exists in a world of kafabe, or kayfabe, where, of course, these grappling greats, you know, really don't get along backstage, you know, if if the Stinger is in a match uh, with stunning Steve Austin, who does appear in this comic book, both of these guys do, numerous times, uh, you know, they're, they're their characters 24-7, like, you might see Sting walking down, you know, the, the streets in his face paint, in his full wrestling regalia, and... They don't get along because they're enemies in the ring. They don't hang out backstage and go get a Whopper after the show. You know, which makes sense because it's 1991, 1992, okay? But this WCW comic book does so many interesting things. What, what I think is the most interesting to me is they sort of tell a divergent tale of 91, late 91 to 92 in WCW's actual history. You know, uh... Well, we'll talk about what they do here in just a skosh, but they also include a lot of the issues that have matches are framed around the announce team. The announce team is sort of your narrator for the issue. You get Jim Ross, uh, Missy Hyatt, Terrence Taylor at one point. You get Paul E. Dangerously, who is a huge character in this and very hilarious, I might add. Uh, but you also get uh, Johnny B. Bad as a commentator. It's a very unique take on Johnny B. Bad. It just really stands out to me, especially in 2023. Uh, this comic book has a lot of fun taking pot shots at the Z-Man. So you gotta love it for that. Like, even the Marvel writers know, like, they got the roster of everybody, and, and they made decided to make Z-Man the butt of all their jokes, and they just pass with flying colors. The first time you're introduced to the Z-Man... It's a nice, beautiful portrait of Tom Zank. And the way he's drawn with his hair and the way his nose and his face look, he looks just like the lady from Total Recall who's like, two weeks. It's, it's, it's a sight to behold. But the comic starts with evil Lex Luger as the champion for a couple of issues until he disappears. Because uh, this was, you know, they started writing this when Lex Luger did the heel turn at Bash 91 with Harley Race and uh, Mr. Hughes. And this evil Lex Luger has the dumbest, worst catchphrase in history. You know, when you're a wrestler, you got to have something snappy like, Yeah! What? That's the bottom line, because don't go say so. If you smell, suck it! You know, I mean, I'm not going to get into all this. Woo! Okay, I'll stop. Lex Luger's big catchphrase is, Lex Luger always has an angle! So there you go. Now, when we get to 92, in WCW Marvel the comic book, the Dangerous Alliance does form. So the Dangerous Alliance is an official evil organization within Marvel Comics. 
I don't know what the rights are now, but could perhaps Spider-Man and Spider-Gwen team up to take on the Dangerous Alliance? Could we see Miles Morales get an invitation from Paul E. Dangerously to join the stable? I don't know! But I'd really like to. Now, it's a little bit different because at the beginning, Scott Hall or the Diamond Stud is actually in the Dangerous Alliance for one issue, I think. Uh, you know, you get Austin in here, you got Rude, eventually you get Zabisco and Arn Anderson and beautiful Bobby Eaton. There's even an entire issue that's just called War Games that is all about War Games. And Tom Zink, the Z-Man, is in the War Games match on the Stinger Squadron, and I believe he is the person that submits. So there you go. The main narrative arc is Sting's battle with the ghoul. Now, you might get a little weirded out here by, like, the ghoul? That sounds like a supervillain. And it's interesting because the ghoul is dressed just like the WCW Phantom from Halloween Havoc 91, which was revealed to be Ravishing Rick Rude. And at one time, the ghoul actually talks to Rick Rude, and he's like, Hey, I'm the ghoul. I'm glad you wore that suit I gave you to go out there and mess with Sting. So it creates this, like, fictional backdrop where the the Halloween ghoul or Phantom is like a character... That's not Rick Rude, but Sting still fused with Rick Rude in the Dangerous Alliance. I mean, and if that's not enough for you to bring you into this Marvel Comics collaboration, I spoke briefly about how I owned issue three of World Championship Wrestling from Marvel. Uh, it's got a white backdrop and Sting, like a real photo of Sting's on the cover, just in case you're ever swiping through pictures. This is the famous issue where the ghoul the enemy of the Stinger, who has not yet revealed himself to Sting, comes up with an evil plot. Sting, Missy Hyatt, and a few other WCW superstars are on the Bruise Cruise, which is indeed a big yacht ship like the goddamn Titanic out on the ocean where they're not only hosting a wrestling show, but they've invited a bunch of contest winners to come watch an exclusive World Championship Wrestling event to be held on the boat. Now, the WCW ghoul has hired three evil wrestlers to make sure that the WCW Bruise Cruise isn't smooth sailing. He's hired the Young Pistols, the fucking wild-eyed Southern boys. I think they even have the Confederate... No, they might not have the Confederate flags in the comic, thank God. They might, though. I don't know. I, I didn't really look at it before I wrote all this down. Uh, but the ghoul hires the Young Pistols to distract Sting while he also hires Cactus Jack, ladies and gentlemen. A full in-character Cactus Jack. As if Cactus Jack was a living person that isn't Mick Foley. And what the ca what is Cactus Jack hired to do? Plant bombs at different locations around this ship that will indeed cause the WCW Bruise Cruise and all of its, uh, you know, inhabitants to die. Either in the explosion, or when the ship sinks, and water fills their lungs, taking that last gas of oxygen from your persons. And Sting, ladies and gentlemen, catches wind of this evil plot, and travels around the boat like it's, metal, like it's the opening of Metal Gear Solid 2. He rescues hostages. Like, literally, Sting's like, well, I better figure out where these bombs are. And, and he gets clues. 
And the first clue is like, I don't know, I'm in the engine room. And he like goes to the engine room and there's hostages. He rescues the hostages and then he fights one of the young pistols like it's the boss fight. And then he disarms the first bomb. It is a video game. It's also terribly slash awesomely written. And, and this is the type of shit that I love. This is WrestleCraft to the nth degree, but it's also kind of brilliant and awesome because of how bad it is. But I love the idea that this is the one big issue where they take WCW out into the quote-unquote real world and they just have fun with it in the stupidest ways. And and that's what WCW Slam Force really is. And that's why we took this little divergent path to talk about Marvel's WCW comic book because it sets the precedent for what it would be like to see wrestlers who are their characters. They don't exist anywhere else. You know, if Sting... Like I said, Sting's walking down fucking Venice Boulevard in his full Sting regalia. These wrestlers just exist as the people they are. You know, Hulk Hogan's fucking social security card doesn't say Terry Bollea in this world. It says Hulk Hogan. And his social security number is probably one because I'm the best dude. No. Hulk Hogan. If Hulk Hogan was a real person, we all know his social security number would be 000-00-0024. For 24-inch pythons, brother. But, you know, all, all the all the jokes and nonsense aside, we should probably start talking about Slam Force. But I just wanted to, to show that there's precedent here. Uh, and I think it's great. Now, the WWE Slam Force, as I mentioned, Secret Legion Against Monsters. I know they wanted it to be Slam, but Legion? How about Secret League Against Monsters? I know you got the Justice League, but I don't know. Secret Legion Against Monsters? It just doesn't... It doesn't... It doesn't... You know, at least it doesn't for me. But it's a group of five WCW competitors that are set out to fight supernatural forces only. Okay? They're not taking down the mob, which still cheesy as shit, but maybe a little bit more realistic if you want to, you know, fucking... Realistic's probably not the best word to use in this conversation. But it's not like they're taking down street-level threats, okay? Because that's a thing in comic books. Usually, in a comic, let's say you pick up a random issue of Batman. Batman's probably not going to get into a fight with Sinestro. Because Sinestro's sort of like, uh, uh, you know, he's a bit more of a powerful villain. He's got actual powers. He can fly. Now, I mean, I'm sure there's some issue where this happens. But you don't think of it as a Batman-level threat. Maybe Doomsday's a better example. You don't expect Batman to get to the end of the crime trail and be like, Wait a minute, according to my analysis... Doomsday! And then Doomsday busts out and he fights Doomsday because Doomsday's too much of a threat for the Batman. So Batman fights street-level enemies like the Riddler, the Penguin, the Joker. Uh, Daredevil fights street-level enemies. He doesn't fight Thanos. You know what I mean? To use Marvel as an example. Uh, where was the goal with this? Oh yeah, the level of threats. So, the fact that the WWE Slam Force only fights monsters is, it immediately, is immediately uh, a thumbs up in my brain. It makes it so much more enjoyable. Another thing that's unclear here, because all we really have to go by is what's printed on the action figure boxes and this one small issue of a comic that only is like eight pages long, okay? So I don't know if wrestling is a show only in this world, or like, do the members of the Slam Force 
exist as their characters in real life. You know? I don't know. We'll get there. But it reminds me also of... Uh, there's a there's a WWE novel like WWE dabbled in fiction a little bit back in the early aughts. Uh, they came out with Journey into Darkness, which is I think the the Kane book that most people are aware of that tells the story of Kane as if it was a an actual narrative. Like it starts with Glenn Jacobs as like a second grader. If you're interested, I read a couple chapters last October for spooky uh, Halloween season. But there's a WWF or WWE novel called Big Apple Takedown where this like super secret government agent is like really good friends with Vince McMahon and they need a special task force that can defeat this like drug cartel in South America. And so this FBI guy convinces Vince McMahon to recruit some WWE superstars uh, to lead this global anti-terrorist operation. You know, and you got like Triple H who's like the leader But he's like, it's weird because he talks to Vince McMahon when they're at the wrestling show backstage like, Vince, that was a great promo you guys wrote me. I am the game. Yeah, Hunter, that was a really good promo that I wrote you that you performed because you are a performer. Uh, But uh, the government also thinks you're a real athlete and we'd like to send you because of a unique set of skills uh, to South America uh, to kill Escobar. Triple H, can you kill Escobar for me? I don't like him one goddamn bit. And it's like Triple H, Chavo Guerrero, Tori Wilson, I forget who else, but they're all in this elite WWE strike force that is an anti-terrorist operation. But are they? So yeah, so are they, are they real people or are they just the characters? I don't really know. But let's talk about who the WCW Slam Force actually is. Now, any good cartoon squadron of heroes or good guys usually followed a certain archetypes. For example, the leader of the WCW Slam Force is, for some strange reason, Brett the Hitman Hart. He's the leader, and he falls into that leader category. For example, hey, tell me something interesting about Leonardo the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Oh, well, he's the leader. Sure. But what does that mean? Well, he's the leader. Okay, but what is that? Oh, he's the one that has no fun. He's the character that's just always written the same, and it's bland. He's the leader. Nobody likes it. If Leonardo's your favorite Ninja Turtle, what's your problem? Okay? Do you like? You should be a cop and, and go out there and just do what you want instead of what cops are supposed to do if Leonardo's your favorite Ninja Turtle. I don't get that. But I think it's perfect that Bret Hart is the generic leader who's completely uninteresting because he's just Bret Hart. Now, some of these WCW roster members, when they're in the Slam Force, have a very unique set of skills. Some even have some powers. What does Bret the Hitman Hart have as a power, you might ask? Nothing. Because he's basically Hawkeye. He's got bows and arrows and shit. And we'll talk more about the individual characters. uh, Because after we go through the roster, I'm going to go through the action figures themselves and give each one a rundown. What accessories do they come with? Uh, How do you activate their accessories? Uh, What are their WCW stats? Okay, because this is all part of the toy box. Next leader of the Slam Force is the Thug Life, Goldberg. Makes sense. Goldberg's a huge fucking in-house, like we actually made Goldberg a superstar superstar. He's like the brute of the group. He's kind of like the Incredible Hulk. He's just smashing shit. 
Next member of WWE Slam Force, and my absolute favorite, uh, big movie. No, not big movie. It's Big Sexy Kevin Nash, who kind of is rocking a Thor gimmick here, which makes sense because they both have beautiful hair. But Nash is sort of the prick of the group, which is absolutely perfect. He's like the Raphael. He's cool, but rude. Kevin Nash is the asshole of the group, and I'm absolutely here for it. Next up, we have Sting, who's the weird one of the group. Okay, that kind of makes sense. This is, of course, WCW Sting, and you know we've had Crow, we've had Talk, we've had Wolfpack, we've had all sorts of different versions of Sting. But this is sort of a more supernatural Sting, who's definitely like the weird one of the group. Maybe he's the one that can talk to monsters, or has ties to the monster universe. Finally, the last member of WCW Slam Force, and this is the problem when you set a project into motion with a third-party vendor, and then it's too late to make any changes. Because, folks, the final member of the WCW Slam Force, the Crippler, Chris Benoit, who has really not much character development in this small comic book that I've read multiple times. So let's just pretend he's the tech... Maybe he's the Donatello of the group. Maybe he's the nerdy one. Maybe he's the uncontrollable rage monster. Oh, that doesn't that doesn't play very well, does it? Uh, it's funny. There, I actually did some research on the internet, so I don't know what it's worth. But it looks like they did make plans to replace Benoit with a different character that we'll talk about when we talk about the action figures. Uh, but Chris Benoit here, he's got some, like... Wolverine claws. I don't know any other way to say it. Now, you can't steal from yourself because Marvel, you know, owns Wolverine and they're doing the slam force and that's fine. But he literally has like a gauntlet on each hand with two very, very sharp razor claws. It doesn't look bad. It's just Chris Benoit. And, and, and maybe, but you know what? Maybe there's a multiverse out there where Chris Benoit only killed monsters and didn't become one himself. I'll see myself out now. And now that we've adequately displayed or displayed described what this whole slam force thing is really about, what I want to do next is talk about the action figures. Now I'm gonna talk about these one at a time, and I just want to let you know that any information I'm giving you guys, it's I mean you could find it online if you want to, or you could just listen to this if you're really not interested. But I gotta tell you. Uh, we're going to cover these things in as much depth as possible. And then, much like people do a wrestling match, I'm going to give each action figure a star ranking, 0 to 5. A star ranking on the spot that I have not pre-planned. I, I wiped these images from my mind, and I was like, I put them on a little folder in order I want to talk about them. And yeah. So we're also going to talk about what it says on the back of the box. You'll, you'll see. Alright, so up first... Brett the Hitman Hart, the leader of Slam Force, the big loser that he is. So, I'm seeing Brett in the box packaging. And the packaging, I gotta tell you, they've got a sweet animated shot of the five heroes on the top of the box. And you know, you got the Marvel Comics logo in the left hand corner. I could see myself walking past this at a store and doing a double take, like, uh, what's this now? Uh, the WCW logo is very interesting uh, because who remembers the red WCW logo that they used before they were purchased? Now, the 
Exploding Vagina WCW logo was still the primary logo, but towards the very end, they started using these red block letters. It didn't last for very long, and it's not the same red block letters that Vince and company would use, but it's kind of cool that this made the actual box. Now, Bret Hart does have his patented Hitman shades on, but he's wearing... He looks like a flasher. He has a comically oversized jacket on. Like, it doesn't it doesn't have like the pink tassels. It doesn't look like an entrance coat. It's like a big giant fucking potato sack. Alright, but it's black. And there's bows and arrows and different arm attachments. Uh the mini comic book is included, which we'll talk about, alright. But more importantly, there's a marketing message here for the kidsters to tell their parents, Mom, I want Brett the Hitman Hart from the Slam Force. Which one's that, little Joey? It's the one with crossbow arsenal and attack arrows. Because, yes, this Bret Hart goes with crossbow arsenal and attack arrows. You know, it's too bad that the Hunger Games didn't uh, come out, uh, you know, and, and have a role for Bret Hart. He could have been Katniss's mentor and been like, Hey, Katniss, we don't know if you know... But I'm a bit of a sharpshooter. Oh, it's a sharpshooter! That's why he has arrows! Oh my god! Discovery, live on the air. So, the back of the box now has stats about the Slam Force member. It has instructions for how to use the accessories inside. And each one of them has the same text on the back. So I'm going to read it one time. But know that this is on all of the boxes. And this accurately describes the narrative in play for the Slam Force. And it, you do get the uh, acronym explained. It actually says Secret Legion Against Monsters on the back. What others fear... Now, I'm going to read this like Michael Buffer. Don't sue me, Michael. <clears throat> what others fear, they fight. There are creatures that go bump in the night. And standing against their terrorizing tide of soul-shattering evil is Slam Force. Slam equals Secret Legion Against Monsters. To the world at large... They are the famous athletes of WCW, but in reality, they are a squad of highly trained covert agents, each a master of a powerful weapon. This shadowy strike force travels the globe, locked in a war with an underground army of supernatural forces. Against our heroes stands the evil Von Gool, an evil immortal who craves world domination through his ever-spreading army of dark warriors, united by the team that hopes for the future. The team must band together to battle for the fate of all humanity. Bret Hart is six foot one. He weighs two thirty four, and his signature move is the sharpshooter. Now, for all you folks who want to know how to use Bret Hart's accoutrement, number one, there's this fucking terribly rendered graphic of Bret the Hitman Hart, the action figure. He looks like a complete piece of trash. Uh, And step number one is low dart projectile in front of crossbow and pull back handle of gun. And then release to launch dart. That seems really complicated. And you know what? Bret is like standing in front of the crossbow and it looks like the crossbow needs to be placed on the ground. He doesn't even hold it in his hands. That is some bullshit. Because in the comic he unloads like he's Hawkeye. Uh, step number two. Oh, his crossbow clips onto Arma figure or to top of shotgun. And step number three, pull back and release on crossbow to fire missile. And it's literally, there's no button that you press to make the, uh, the string mechanism fire. You have to pull it back yourself. This thing's breaking in two minutes, all right? Fitting, though, because uh, once Brett got to WCW, he broke pretty much as soon as they bought him. So, you know, I like the brand synergy there. 
No, Brett's supposed to be the leader of the team. He's supposed to impress me. And I'll say this, the animated version of Bret Hart doesn't look too bad, but this action figure looks like complete dog shit. But I'll be fair, um, I kind of like the bow and arrow shenanigans, but again, he's not holding them. The, the string's going to snap. I'm going to give this two slams. Up next, Bill Goldberg. Ma'am, ma'am, I want the WCW Slam Force, Bill Goldberg. Which one's that, honey? You know the one. It's Bill Goldberg with Nitro Power Gauntlets. It is true. Bill Goldberg here comes with Nitro Power Gauntlets. Now, what are Nitro Power Gauntlets, you might ask? Well, there's two giant robot gloves that just go over Billy's arms here. And Bill has, like, a belt on his uh, waist. It's not the WCW heavyweight belt strap. It's a belt with cables that plug into the gauntlets, I guess, to charge them with electricity. So, Bill Goldberg, not powerful enough to kill monsters on his own. He's got to use these machinery. I bet that's why Slam Force never took off. Bill Goldberg vetoed it like, No! I should be able to kill the monsters with my bare hands because I'm Bill Goldberg. His height is six foot four. His weight is 285. Yeah. In your bra. Signature move. The vertical lift, drop, and pin. No, no, it's actually the jackhammer. Now, Billy Boy shit, it leaks, at least looks a lot easier to use because there's only one step. And if you ever bought anything from Ikea, you know the less steps the better. But I'll give Marvel and Toy Biz and WCW the leg up on Ikea because their directions have numbers and words. Not just pictures of a confused guy like Sherbadoo. Swedish joke. Step number one, snap fit the nitro power gauntlets onto arms as shown. And then they have little arrows showing you where to put them. Well, that's nice for the kidsters. I gotta say, I mean, there's not much to this Bill Goldberg. I guess what's nice is if you choose not to use the nitro power gauntlets, you could just use this as a Goldberg wrestling figure. Like if you have the little ring and you want to just book your own territory. Uh, now see, Johnny, what we've done is we've outsourced the booking of the territory to young children that are playing with the toys. Uh, why do you think we allow uh, our, our WWE Universe fans to, to make their own modes in WWE 2K24, Johnny? See, you see, their ideas, we take them and we don't have to pay our writing staff. It's very simple. You upload it to the cloud, I download it into my soul. I'm going to give Goldberg three stars, because it's definitely better than Brett. But, again, if you don't have the Nitro Power Gauntlets, it's just sort of a run-of-a-mill action figure. Up next, uh-oh, boys, we might have a clear runaway winner, Kevin Nash. Now, you'll notice right away, that Kevin Nash has the most beautiful set of action figure hair. It's kind of weird, though, because his action figure has his regular, like, brown hair color and brown goatee. But the animated version of Kevin Nash has blonde goatee and blonde facial hair. Definitely just trying to tap into the power of Thor. Now, this Kevin Nash has on long black pants, and he's got a red, like, bulletproof vest. And on his chest, he's got some black straps, like he's about to be somebody's daddy for the evening. Or he might be auditioning for the fourth Fifty Shades movie. Hey, love me like you do. Lo lo love me like you do. Hey, Johnny, 
Uh, those Fifty Shades pictures. Did you see that, uh, what's her name, uh, Dakota Johnson? Yeah, man. Daddy's Don Johnson, her mom's Melanie Griffith. She's a working girl. She's gonna be Madam Web in those spider pictures from Sony. It used to be her daddy, Johnny. Kevin, please. So, Kevin Nash comes with powerbomb cannon and jackknife missiles! That's fun. But what? What really, really draws your attention to the Kevin Nash package right away? Wait a minute. No, the toy package. The, not the toy dick, the toy packaging. Whereas Bret Hart had a bunch of, like, little pieces. He had an arm, he had a crossbow, he had, like, a gauntlet. To, uh, you know, he had white, one arrow. One arrow for Bret Hart, by the way. You're losing that thing in five minutes. And Goldberg just had the Nitro Power Gauntlets. Kevin Nash has the Powerbomb Cannon. And, folks, it's it looks like Megatron's gun. Okay, Mega Man would be jealous of this fucking arm cannon that Kevin Nash has. It's just as big as he is. Well, Johnny, you know, couldn't have a wimpy action figure. On the back, it lets us know that Kevin Nash's height is 7'1", his weight is 389 pounds, and his signature move is a jackknife lift and drop power spear. It's just a jackknife power on, but he's only got one direction. Place weapon in hand. Press button on gun to launch projectile. Oh, hew. So the missile kind of looks like a royal scepter, and that is the jackknife missile and the powerbomb cannon. Interesting here. Nash's... Oh, they don't advertise it because the, there's a picture of all the different action figures on the back of each box, including the one you're buying for some reason. Nash has, like, Thor's hammer... Literally, like he has a he has a Mjolnir. It's a little bit bigger than it's like Mjolnir, but the size of Stormbreaker. If that makes sense, I know it does. Uh, and that is in the packaging behind him, but it's not advertised on the box. Interesting. So with Nash, you get three accessories, and they're all cool. Nash has perfect hair, and you know what? We we went in depth about how he looks like a daddy, folks. I, 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 we, mm, I don't know. Uh, I really want to go the full Monty, but I'm going to go four and a half stars on Kevin Nash's Slab Force figure. Oh my God, it's Sting! Mom, Mom, they made a Sting Slam Force action figure. Which one's that, honey? You know the one. The one with morphing cape and Stinger missiles. Oh my god, five instructions on Sting's back. Well, let's start with Sting himself. So, folks, it's the crow Sting in terms of makeup. And I, I'm trying, I'm going to try to describe this. Sting has on like a protective shield across his entire chest. He looks like the Pokemon Zamazenta. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know all these things. And. Like, he's completely covered by this armored cape, but he's got a bunch of cool accessories. He's got an actual cape that looks like it's folded up. He's got a couple of swords, and it looks like a couple of things that he can swing that look like baseball bats. Oh, they're baseball bats with spikes on the end. Oh, they're missile launchers. Holy shit! Okay, hold on. The cape, like, not the cape, the big shell that's covering Sting are actually a wing pack 
to make him fly. Oh, this figure's cool. And he has a red cape, so you can detach the wing pack and place on the red cape. Sting is six foot three, 252 pounds. He's got two signature moves, the Singer Splash and the Scorpion Death Twist. Step one, wings clip onto figure. Step two, wing pack in attack formation. Looks pretty cool. He's got the wings spread. Missile la- Step three, missile launchers plug into holes on front of wing pack. Holy shit. When you have the little wings forward, not only is it armor, but you put missiles in there that fire out of the chest. Step four, place sword in Sting's right hand and squeeze his legs together for a sword action attack. Step five, remove Sting's cape and place his arms out in front of him. Squeeze his legs together to activate his Stinger Splash action. Oh my god! Fans, while my heart lies with Kevin Nash, I think my wallet lies with Sting! Uh, And mom lies with Sting too. Mom! Mom! It's Sting! Mom, put your shirt back on! Mom, what are you doing to Sting's penis? Does that mean I'm going to get a free slam for a sting with marking cape and action missiles? Sting, ladies and gentlemen, the full Monty. Five stars, awesome accessories. Um, and you could do a lot with him. There's a lot to do with your imagination here. You got the sword, the missiles, the cape, the fucking wing pack. Uh, don't turn your back on the wing pack. You might wind up in a body bag. Sting's flying around. He kind of looks like a clown. Hey, Stinger, let's go downtown. Get your dick sucked. Yeah, it didn't rhyme. Don't turn your back on the wing pack. Anywho, uh, last but certainly not least is Chris Benoit. And folks, I'm going to drop some fucking knowledge on you. The Chris Benoit action figure was never actually released, but there is a screen grab of it. I don't mind telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this action figure looks nothing like Chris Benoit. It looks more like Edge. Like Edge, how Edge looks right now with the short hair and the beard. That's what this Chris Benoit looks like. Now, he's wearing armored pants. He's got armor all over his arms. He's got, uh, like, a cross vest with spikes on it, and his arms have spikes on it. And not to mention the giant fucking Wolverine claws. And, folks, when I tell you they're giant, they go from the little toy hand to the up to the little toy head, and they fold backwards when they're not in slicing slicing position. This is a pretty cool toy. Like if I'm whatever toy plane age, like I'm wanting this one just for these fucking Wolverine claws, man. And I'm having this motherfucker slice and dice all the other toys in the arena and standing tall above the others. However, it was never released, and he killed his family. So I'm just going to go four stars on the unreleased Chris Benoit action figure. And I don't have any fun stats to talk about because it was never released. No box, nothing like that. No signature maneuvers from Michael Buffer. So as it stands, Sting is the winner at five stars. Uh, Chris Benoit next at four and a half. Kevin Nash at four. Goldberg at three. And Bret Hart, surprising no one, coming up the rear at just two stars. Now, what I did discover is there is a sixth member of Slam Force. I'm assuming a sixth member of Slam Force to replace Chris Benoit. Would there be an issue of the comic where they kill off Chris Benoit and then they have to bring in the new guy? Or would it be like, well, Chris Benoit moved to a farm upstate, uh, so he's not here anymore. Or would they have killed him in the pages of Marvel Comics? Well, since there was only one issue, I guess we'll never know. But folks, 
I'm actually pro Benoit here because I've got a snapshot in front of me of the prototype Slam Force action figure for the hidden, unknown sixth member of Slam Force, Ian, known to his friends as Vampiro. He's got on a t-shirt with a skull on it, and he just looks like Vampiro. Sting, thanks for inviting me to become coming to Slam Force. You know, Sting, I know you take a look at me and you look in the depth of my soul and you think that I might actually be, you know, uh, someone who would side with the evil uh, Von Doom. Oh, well, no, this is not Von Doom. That's Victor Von Doom. Von Ghoul. Sting, some people would look at me and think that I work for the evil Von Ghoul, but I don't. I'm actually here to slam down monsters and evil villains, Sting. I'd like to join Slamforth. Yeah, I'm sorry I set you on fire that one time, Sting. But we had a we had a contract, Sting. Human Torch match, Sting. I'll see you next time, Sting. Please vote me onto the Slam Force. But that wraps up the discussion of the Slam Force action figures. Now, before we get to the big finish here and the performance of the actual comic book and the descriptions of the pages with Rin, you know, I, I tried to make a list in my head of all... because. I'm reading something like this, and I've done a lot of show. I've even done shows where I've talked about like making wrestlers superheroes and shit like that, or what have you. But there are a pretty decent amount of superhero characters to pull from from wrestling's history if they wanted to do something. And I think they own that being the E owns most of these. You got Tiger Mask, Arachna Man. Hey, hey, it happened. The blue blazer, the blue and black blazer. You got the country music blonde hair blazer. Hurricane, Mighty Molly. Uh, Rosie, the superhero in training. Nikki, almost a superhero. How Sting! Sting's been a superhero when he was the Crow, and he was a supervillain when he was the TNA Joker, although they don't own that. I think Jushin Thunder Liger had his own anime. I'm pretty sure Ray had his own cartoon or something. And Mil Mascaris was in a bunch of movies or something. I don't know. You could do something. I mean, I'm not advocating that you do something, but you at least have superhero characters if you wanted to do something. But of course, that's all with the benefit of hindsight. So now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the main event of the evening. It is WCW Slam Force, Marvel Comics number one issue entitled Frozen Fury, one of one, with a big hero shot on the cover. Actually, it's the same picture that's on the fucking action figure box. My, my, my. We couldn't hire someone to come in and do a new one. It's got the Exploding Vagina logo on the front. And uh, I'm going to, you know, perform the voices here. And I'm going to give you the rundown of the cast of characters. I mean, you know who's in it, but I'm going to give you the impression of what it sounds like, okay? So whenever there's a narration, and I want to describe the scene... It's going to be Stan Lee's voice. Hey, it's me, Stan Lee. Hey, did you know I invented the WCW Slam Force? Now, Kevin Nash, I think you guys all know my impression of. And then there's Goldberg, who's always kind of yelling when he talks. Oh, don't forget Canadian hero, the, the mighty leader, the Hawkeye, the Bret Hart. And and Sting, Sting's kind of more spooky here than the Sting who's like, I feel like rumping, stomping, graveyard destruction, vampiro. But I'll probably talk like this when it's Sting, vampiro. And then Chris Benoit. I don't, there's no Chris Benoit impression. Uh, and then you'll discover what's silent but you're violent. Yeah, it probably sounds something like that. Like I said, 
The issue is entitled Frozen Fury. Page one. Oh, this will take you back. It's a picture of the Incredible Hulk punching through a wall with a milk mustache that says, Got milk. So, page one. It looks like, and I'm going to try to describe what I see, and then I'll read, you know, the narration and what have you. Uh, the first the first page has three boxes on it. The first box is the WCW Slam Force from behind looking at a construction site in the Antarctic, and there is a giant block of ice being held by a construction crane. Panel 1. Drafted from the wrestling arenas of WCW, Discovered Strike Force battles evil supernatural creatures. We join the team now in Antarctica, and WCW Slam Force is written by Ruben Diaz and Bill Rossman. <laughs> I didn't pay him a dime for this, true believers. Big digging tools. Geeky science, guys. Yup. Looks like the right place, all right, Hitman. And that's our objective hanging right there from that crane. Panel 2, a close-up on the ice block. That's the preserved body of the missing link, the evolutionary connection between Neanderthals and humans. Hey, Goldberg, you notice any family resemblance? Save the comedy, Nash. This creature is the most important discovery of our times and a target for our enemies. Our job is to keep the remains unharmed. Panel 3. The WCW Slam Force leaps into action. Benoit and Goldberg jumping. Nash igniting his rocket hammer. Sting has to carry Bret Hart. Sting is flying away and he's holding on to Bret Hart's hand because Bret Hart's too much of a bitch to jump off the ice himself as he yells, So let's hit it. Slam Force! Huh. Somebody had too much sugar in their granola this morning. Page 2. Three panels. Panel one, Bret Hart is standing behind one of the bad guys. If Von Gould steals this specimen, he'll use it to clone an army of obedient beasts. A world-dominating monster lord like Von Gould can easily wipe out all mankind with creatures like that. We gotta make sure this dangerous species stays extinct. You hear me there, doctor? Hey, doc! Bret Hart is known for his precision, his careful analysis of every variable. It takes a lot to catch him off guard. Panel number two. The doctor turns around to reveal he's actually an evil monster. But a screaming necroploid. Whoa, a necroploid. Who the fuck invented that word? A screaming necroploid is the last thing that Bret Hart expected to answer him. Oh, everybody fool buck. Fool buck. Panel three on page two is an Avengers Assemble shot. The heroes of Slant Force are in a giant circle as they're surrounded by creatures. These aren't scientists. They're Von Gould's underlings. Hey there. Oh, wait. Here they come. And I don't think they want autographs. Do the math. Thirty of them. Five of us. My kind of odds! Page three. Panel number one. Bret Hart and Chris Benoit in action. Bret Hart shooting an arrow and Chris Benoit slicing. Execute defensive maneuvers. Get him away from that caveman. You got it, Brett. Whatever it takes. Panel 2. Sting with a fire sword just sliced a monster in half and he looks really cool doing it. The gothic warrior known as Sting fights in silence, letting his searing scorpion sword do his talking, cleaving the creatures without pause. Hold your weapons. Our opponents can regenerate and multiply. 
Cripple 1 and 2 emerge. At this rate, they'll overrun the cavern. And as Sting says this, the monsters reform in the background. We move to the next page. Panel 1 is Kevin Nash cracking a monster in the Skull Dome. Bashing him to a pulp works for me. Just beg and grovel if you need my help. Panel 2, Goldberg, shocking monsters. We need coverage on the crane. I got my hands full, and these jobbers won't quit. Oh, really? Using wrestling lingo in the comic book? Panel 3. Bret Hart shoots an explosive arrow at the ice cube and protects it from monsters that were getting on it. Good call, Goldberg. Prepare to be excellently executed, freaks. Oh, come on! A nitro-magnesium-tipped arrow will end this match. Of course! The two fucking dumb shits, Goldberg and Bret Hart, using wrestling terms in the middle of combat. You're excellently executed, freak. Uh, nitro magnesium, you guys get that? Nitro will end this much, seriously. The next page, uh, monsters surround the ice block that's now on the ground. The explosion sends that block of ice crashing to the ground, where Von Gould's mindless minions relentlessly labor to bring it to their master. Panel or two, Chris Benoit is on top of the ice block. You guys look tired. Why don't you lay down so I can smother you with the... That's not what he says! You guys look tired. Why don't you lay down? We have to come up with a new plan, team. They won't be stopped by brute force. Maybe we should strength... No. Panel three, Goldberg looking electrified. In that case, get out of my way. What? All that muscle clog up your ears, Bill? Next page, panel one. Bill Goldberg clicks his or slams his fist together and shoots electricity. Channeling vast electromagnetic energy through a storm gauntlet, Goldberg pulverizes the fragile ground. Panel two. Benoit leaps off of the ice block as it falls into a giant hole. Goldberg, what are you doing? The cave floor is unstable from all the drilling. It's giving away. These necroploids were sent with one purpose. They're blind to failure. The next panel shows them and the, the monsters in the ice cube falling into the abyss. So they'll follow our boy down the chasm without hesitation. Consider these creeps on ice. So, next page, multiple panels. Who's next? And each character gets a line in. Goldberg said, who's next? And we see their face. Not exactly in the mission parameters, but pretty effective. Huh, yeah, whatever. I'll take the necroploids a few centuries to dig themselves out of that hole. If we don't evacuate now, we'll share the tomb with them. Speeding out of the collapsing cavern, Slam Force narrowly escapes an icy death. Second panel, Slam Force all in silhouette, leaping. Smart move, Einstein. Not only did you almost get us killed, but you lost our prehistoric pal. Final panel, final page. The Slam Force stands in their patented formation. Sting's cape billowing in the wind. Bret Hart and Benoit looking stupid and Canadian. Goldberg looking like a dumbass. And Nash looking oh so cool with his hair blowing in the wind. You don't get it, Nash. They're forces of nature that shouldn't be messed with. No matter the sacrifice. True believers follow the adventures of Slam Force each month in their own new series from Marvel Comics. Well, that didn't exactly come to fruition. 
top it all off, they've got a commercial at the end. It's Goldberg saying that you can subscribe to Slam Force by calling one 285 3268 Only $21.97 for all 12 issues. I've tried to call the number, ladies and gentlemen. No one ever picks up. Icing on the cake, the back cover is a fucking like computer readout of Kevin Nash's character. Name, Kevin Nash, alias Big Sexy. They put that on the comic book. Height 71, weight 329, hometown Phoenix, Arizona. Group affiliations, the Outsiders, NWO, Slam Force. Weapon, Rocket Warhammer. Primary attributes, strength, and wit. Did Kevin write this himself? Character profile. Known for his quick wit as much as his massive power. Nash is a true giant in the fighting arena, towering above his opponents both physically and psychologically. Nash is powered both by oak-like legs and a dexterous mind. Depending on whether he's your friend or enemy, he can make you howl in laughter or pain. Pray that he likes you. And we get a beautiful shot of Kevin Nash, hair billowing in the wind. And folks, that is the end of the only issue of WCW Slam Force. I wish there were multiples of these because I would read them with glee. But alas, one and done, and it's only like six or seven pages. And you know what? That's the end of, of, of this discussion on Slam Force. You know, like I said, it was just a little extra for you. I think it's hilarious that, you know, this is the type of shit that they were looking to produce and, and you know, synergize out there. Is it a bad idea? Absolutely not. Like, it's not, truly. But it's so weird because this type of shit is so un-WCW. Like, especially in the Russo-Bischoff era. I mean, this stuff would have come out in, like, early 2000, mid-2000 when these characters don't even behave like this. And Chris Benoit's not even there. Cross him off, then. So, I don't know. I just, I've always wanted to talk about Slam Force, and now I have. And I hope you at least enjoyed it. Maybe you chuckled a few times. Uh, but if you didn't enjoy this, check out the back catalog of the new TNN podcast where there's plenty to enjoy, including uh, WCW Must Die, where we talk about characters like this all the time. Uh, we had our 200th episode. We did Battleship. That's an awful movie. Uh, we did the WWF merchandise calendar from 1990 not too long ago. Um, and folks, I don't mind telling you, we also released Multiverse of Fabulous 5 Remake. I remade an episode of the Multiverse of Fabulousness. And I got to tell you, folks, you got to listen to this. It's it's my baby. I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I hope you do, too. Give it a listen. Let me know what you think. I'm available on X. Gonna give it to you. Gonna give it to you. X gonna give it to you. He gonna give it to you. At the Johnny C. I'm Johnny C, even though I just said it. And a winner is you. Hey, Bill. Good job to slay a force. You know, I slammed the force of my dick in your wife, Bill. Huh. I'm just kidding.